Welcome to the Mettler Marketing Podcast, where we will talk about marketing strategies and tactics to grow your practice. I am your host, Linda Mettler, and I have worked with dental practices for several years now, and I want to share my knowledge and experience with you so that you can gain valuable and actionable steps on how to grow your practice. We will talk about the latest and greatest in marketing, feature some guest speakers so that you can hear firsthand what is and is not working, and help you unravel the complexities of the digital marketing world. I work really closely with my clients, so we will also delve into some other issues that affect your practice from time to time, such as staffing problems, COVID protocols, and similar issues. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's actually President's Day, but thank you so much for joining the Mettler Marketing Podcast. I'm Linda Mettler, and I'm so excited today because I have a wonderful guest. We're going to be chatting with Greg Hill. He is the Executive Director and CEO of the Colorado Dental Association. So excited to have you, Greg. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Well, Linda, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's a real pleasure to be here to talk to you this morning, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, great. Well, I'm going to jump right in because I have so many questions for you and things for us to chat about this morning. But, you know, the first thing I kind of want to know is, Greg, what, what sense do you have from dental practices in Colorado kind of post-pandemic? Do you, do you feel like business is back to a new normal or, you know, Tell me kind of what where you feel like the temperature of, of dental practices are right now in Colorado. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's a really good question. I think that's going to depend upon a, a lot on who you speak with. You know, we are very fortunate to have access to you know, some survey data uh, that the American Dental Association ha- has published. And, you know, what that allows us to do is, is really kind of get a sense um you know, where things truly are. I mean, we, we talk to dentists and, you know, there is a sense that there continues to be some struggles, whether it's, um, you know, with, with the, the volume of patients that they have, um, you know, with workforce shortages and things like that, that that, that may or may not be directly, um, you know, correlated uh, to the pandemic. But but overall, I mean, uh, about 60% of the dentists, you know, across the country really are, are saying they're, they're back fully businesses as usual. Um, and then there's about, you know, 38, uh, you know, 39% that are, you know, are saying that they are still, um, you know, patient volume has not returned um, to where it was uh, pre-pandemic. And, you know, it's it's very interesting, you know, when in taking a deeper dive into that data, and I don't know the answer to this question, um, but as I was um, digging into this, one of the things that I, I saw, which was very interesting, is that um, the younger you are as a dentist, the less of an impact uh, COVID seems to be having. Um, matter of fact, when we were looking at those under 35, the survey actually reported that only 23% of those dentists um, were, were saying that their patient volume volume had not returned to pre-COVID, but as you get up to, you know, the, you know, 65 plus, it's almost 50%. And each, you know, each, um, you know, sort of cohort as you go up uh, did increase. And so, you know, there there is something there and I, I don't really know, uh, you know, what, what's causing that, Um which, you know, definitely would be something to, to dig into a little bit deeper. But, you know, I think overall, you know, we're, we're not hearing from dentists as, as much about, um, you know, that, that patient volume as certainly we were in, in the midst of COVID when, you know, when those numbers were up, you know, 90% or so of, of or, or higher, you know, and certainly when we were in that, that six-week period uh, in which we were, you know, emergency services only. So, you know, it did, it did take some time that we, you know, we've seen incremental increases in that. And hopefully, um, you know, as we continue through this, that that will continue to decrease. That's really interesting. That's good to hear that, you know, you, you're seeing that the data indicates that, you know, people are kind of ba- getting back up to full speed. That's what I see out in out in my dental community. So it's, it's good to hear that, that, you know, people are definitely getting getting back to, you know, pre pandemic production numbers. It's good. Right. And that is very interesting that, you know, it has not affected the younger dentists as much as the 
the older Dennis. So that that is very interesting. Would be interesting sometime to do a sociological experiment on that and find out some of those reasons why. <laughs> oh, de definitely so. Yeah, that's again. That's just that's what the data say from the from the Health Policy Institute, and yeah. you know they've done a really you know great job of kind of keeping a pulse on um, you know what's right. going on across the profession during this. Right. So, what do you feel, Greg? Are some of the biggest challenges for dental professionals all across the board, dentists, hygienists, assistants, right now? I mean, kind of post-pandemic, you know, right. the pandemic aside, what do you feel are some of the biggest challenges for dental practices right now and maybe going into the future? Yeah, no, that's, you know, it's one of the things that we have really, um, you know, kind of noticed is that, um you know, things that maybe dentists didn't really think were that important to them uh, pre-pandemic uh, really came out um, heavy during the pandemic. And those are things, you know, like, you know, stress and, you know, being able to balance, um, you know, the professional life and, and the personal life. And, you know, we've done, you know, we're, we're working on a strategic plan right now. And, you know, we've got it out to our members. And, you know, this was, you know, in the fall where we asked these questions. But, you know, the, the number one stressor, you know, that, that keeps Dennis up at night really was that balancing of, of the personal and, and uh, professional life. And I don't think pre-pandemic, um, either uh, dentists weren't wanting to talk about it um, or that stress um, wasn't there. Um, and so that that is really, I mean, I, I think when you really start to, to drill down and, and try to understand, you know, what is going through dentists right now, I, I think you have to kind of put that, um, you know, you know, as really as a foundation for for what, you know, the profession is going through. And, and certainly, you know, we tried as a CDA to, to build programs and, and create educational opportunities um, to really hit on that. Uh, point because, you know, we know that dentists are really, really struggling right now. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, well, throughout throughout the entire pandemic, you know, we've seen a number of dentists who unfortunately have um, taken their own lives through suicide. And, you know, just that, yeah. that stress has been has just been horrible. And so trying to better understand that is one of the the big things that, that dentistry is facing right now. And I think, you know, obviously a part of that is, you know, you're the business owner. And, you know, you have, you know, your entire staff relying on you as the, you know, as, as the key person in that practice to to keep things going. And when you're not able to practice, you're not able to to make payroll and all those kinds of things, you know, certainly adds, uh, you know, high levels of stress. And so that that's, you know, that's one thing that, you know, is very, very unfortunate has been, you know, one of the outcomes of this. But, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything we can to, to try and support our members out there and um, we're looking at some new programs to you know to be able to address that at an even higher level but you know as I mentioned earlier you know one of the things that has really um, I think come out of COVID and whether or not it's directly correlated uh, or not uh, is is a workforce shortage and that is something that we're seeing nationwide um, you know certainly we're hearing from Colorado dentists um, who you know are not able to find a hygienist have had you know um, you know job postings for hygienists open you know for for a long time uh, dental assisting as well and so certainly we've seen um, you know I, I think part of the the great resignation has certainly played itself um, into you know into that workforce shortage but I think the reality sure. is that overall we have seen uh, for you know, a pretty long period of time that the you know the, the graduation of, of dentists into the profession um, is far greater than the, the graduation of, of dental hygienists and I think it really took something like this to really put that into the forefront that there is a you know they're, they're not keeping themselves even um, as they're growing and it's you know I will 
you know, from, from what I've heard, you know, certainly not as profitable to run a hygiene school as it is a dental school. Uh, you know, that's part of it. So we've seen hygiene programs, you know, shut down. Um, you know, we've seen expansion of dental schools uh, over the last couple of years. And, you know, I think you can you know, look at data and, you know, say there's still a need for more dentists. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got to you've also got to be able to keep the, the hygiene and the other workforce, uh, you know, growing at the same rate when those get out of balance, um, you know, which I would say they are now, um, you yeah. know, you either have to adjust um, the way in which you practice uh, in order to, you know, deal with that new reality or, you know, the system has to has to catch up and, you know, it takes time you know, for that to happen. Uh, that's not a, you know, a quick, you know, let's just snap our fingers and we can, um, you know, produce, you know, a hundred new hygienists out in the marketplace. I mean, right. that, that takes years to be able to do. Right. Definitely not a quick fix. And, and you're right. That's, I mean, with my clients, sometimes I feel like I should uh, open a second business for staffing, although I would have the same problems, but all of my clients, across Colorado and Arizona are the number one problem is staffing is finding hygienists and then you know, training them and, and, um, keeping them, you know, just, um, you know, keeping, you know, keeping them from that high staff turnover. So, and I think a lot of people or a lot of dentists don't realize that when they come out of dental school, that they do have to run a business, not just show up and be a dentist. They have to learn how to run a business so that they can retain that key staff and those hygienists and, you know, um, create a great culture for that staff so that they can keep their turnover low. But you're absolutely right. There's definitely not enough hygienists out there. Um, and it is all of my clients. Number one problem is staffing. So yeah, I hear it every well, single day. Yeah, oh yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, as part of the survey we did of our members last year, we, we found that staffing and, you know, human resource type issues uh, were very, very high in terms of what the members' concerns are. Um, you know, the ability, I mean, things like, you know, just being able to maintain staff, you know, um, you know, to, to con control the the turnover that, that dentists have. Um, and again, I think that has, you know, escalated during COVID. Um, you know, to what extent, I, I don't know. But, you know, those are those are things that, you know, besides those typical, um, you know, things that dentists always are, are struggling with, uh, sure. that really seems to have elevated. And, you know, when you have a staff that's, you know, that is unhappy, you know, that that only adds to the stresses of trying to be, um, you know, the practice uh, owner and, and keeping things moving and, and productivity and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably talk more about about this, the, the whole notion of, uh, you know, dentists, um, you know, not really having that business training and being thrown into the mix of uh, having to, to run a small business. I think that that is a real challenge. It, it definitely is. I, I see it every day, like I said. Um, Greg, I have another question for you, though, kind of segueing. What changes do you see coming to dentistry, to the dentistry profession in the next five years or 10 years, um, you know, and just how do you think dentists should prepare for some of these changes as they come out of school? That is probably the, the biggest challenge that faces, you know, the profession coming forward is, is really just this unknown. And one of the things we talked about very early on uh, in in the the pandemic, and it was more focused on how we as an organization were, were going to adjust. But then we started hearing it uh, from more and more people. But this notion of COVID accelerating change, and I, I think when the profession kind of had to step back, you know, technology was continuing to develop. And, you know, even though it was a short period of time, um, you know, there's a lot of people are saying that that COVID, you know, is advancing things by by 10 years. And, I, you know, I've seen that that comment, you know, in a lot of different places. And so some of these things that we were, you know, looking at on the horizon, um, you know, in the dental profession as things that, you know, we're 10 years down the road or suddenly, you know, probably knocking on on the doorstep. And, you know, that's going to be, I think, the, the real challenge 
in that is because you've got to make some decisions as, as, as a practice, you know, on how you're going to invest your dollars. Are you going to invest those dollars just simply to, to maintain where you are? Or are you going to invest dollars to, to get yourself ahead? And a lot of that, of course, is, is based on technology and, you know, being able to um, continue to be a practice that is in the forefront of technology, if that's where you are, I mean, that's going to cost, um, you know, a significant, you know, amount of dollars in order to do that. We've always talked about, and I, and I heard this having to do with, you know, some of the work that we do as an association, but I think it, it applies, um, you know, you know, in, in pretty much everything where you kind of had this bell curve of, of adoption, right? You had your early adopters and you had more and more people. And then suddenly you kind of hit the critical point and everybody's, you know, taking, you know, using that technology. And then you sort of have your, you know, your people who who are slow or, or never adopt, you know, on the back end. And what we're really seeing today is is more of a shark's fin model where, you know, that that adoption is is very, very rapid. And, you know, you don't have a whole lot of time to to, um, you know, implement things before they are expected by, you know, your patients. And, you know, that's ultimately what I think that is going to be um, the challenge. You know, we're certainly starting to see, you know, and, and, you know, COVID really, you know, brought out the the aspect or the the concept of of teledentistry, uh, which is something that's used, uh, you know, quite extensively in medicine, um, you know, was a little bit slower to adopt in dentistry, you know, so certainly there's, um, you know, some things there, obviously you've got, you know, things like 3d printing and those kinds of things that are, uh, you know, becoming right. more and more, more prevalent, but, you know, adoption of, of artificial intelligence, uh, you know, being able to, you know, analyze, you know, patient records and charts and, um, not only on the, on the clinical side, but, uh, but also on the, the billing and reimbursement side is, is definitely taking place, you know, so, so a lot of things that, you know, technology didn't stop developing um, during that time. And, you know, when you when you think about it, we're now two years um, into COVID, you you realize how much, how quickly innovation happens. And even though the profession may have kind of taken a pause during this time, um, you know, not, not in, in terms of not practicing, but just in terms of, you know, redeveloping and things, you know, two years is a very, very long time um, in terms of technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, technology, Technology can completely change overnight in in two years. <laughs> it yeah. can completely change <laughs> uh, in two years. It can go through many iterations. So, and it's interesting that you you mention three D printing because I think most, maybe not most, but I think quite a few patients these days really expect to be able to get a same day crown. You know, if you go to a dental office that doesn't have a CEREC or or the ability to do a same day or at least a same week crown. Patients are looking other places. They, I think patients really are looking for those higher technology dental offices these days. So um, I definitely see that in practices. You know, you've got, and, and it's tough because you've, you've got the practices out there that, you know, have been around for, let's say, 20 plus years, 25 years that maybe don't really want to make, you know, they're looking for their exit strategy. They're not really looking to invest a lot of dollars in that technology, but yet they have to, to make that practice saleable. So, so you've got that issue there too. So I see that every day. But, but I also see from the marketing side, I also see, you know, where patients are looking for those higher technology offices. And I do see, you know, I, I do see the younger dentists really embracing it, you know, really embracing that technology because I think it's going to make their, it's going to help their work-life balance and, and make their work life a little easier to have some of that technology in all the areas, like you say, you know, billing and, and, you know, just every area out there, it's going to make their life a little easier, I feel. 
to embrace that technology, but it's easier said than done. It's hard. I mean, I'm, I'm in the generation where it's, it's harder to embrace new technology. I'm learning a lot about AI these days and it's overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and, you know, but you're doing a podcast, you know, and so that, that keeps <laughs> right, you right. on, on the, the, uh, the front there. So, <laughs> right. And actually, I'm actually encouraging, uh, some of my dental clients to do podcasts as well, uh, on certain areas, certain subjects of expertise in their practice and we're embedding those po podcasts in their website. So, and it's interesting because most of them are like, what, put a podcast on my website? What are you talking about? So I'm trying to educate them on that as well because so many people listen to podcasts these days in their car, on their headphones, when they're running, you know, it's, it's just a great way to keep up on your education is by listening to podcasts. So, yeah, well, you know, when you think about from the, the standpoint of the dentist, one of the things we hear all the time is, you know, the, the time that they have to, to talk to their patients is, you know, getting shorter and shorter, you know, each year. Right. And, right. you know, a podcast is a great way to, you know, know you're not talking to your patient one-on-one -on -one in the chair, but you're still talking to your patient. You're still educating your patient. You're still building that trust right. as, as uh, you know, their dental provider, um, you know, in your ability to take care of them and, and you know, educate them on the importance importance of, of, you know, oral health and taking care of, you know, their teeth. And yeah, I think it's a great way right. to, to be able to, to do that. And I think a lot of those things, I mean, that's where technology sort of picks up on, um, you know, those things that are changing in the profession. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, not being able to, you know, to spend that amount of time or how we, you know, reach out and market and, you know, communicate to, you know, to the patients, I think is, you know, it, it and, I, and I appreciate and commend you for recognizing that that, um, you know, those are, are, are alternative ways to satisfy uh, what's really a need in the profession, which is to, you know, build a relationship with your patients. Right, right. And the more they can use technology to do that, you know, the better for everybody, the better for them, the better for their patients. But I do get where it is harder. Um Especially if you've if if you've been in practice for a while, uh, I do understand how it it can be challenging to adopt technology, especially when you've been in a practice and you've done things the same way for you know five years, ten years, and all of a sudden some new thing comes out. It is harder to adopt. But I I do agree with you that everybody, whether you've been in practice for a long time or you're a new dentist coming out of school, you know you've got to get on that technology bandwagon bandwagon and adopt those changes so it'll only help and it'll help with that work-life balance too I really I really do believe that so if it'll give you more time that's got to be something that's that's helpful um Greg what share with me a little bit about your thoughts on corporate dentistry I feel like corporate de dentistry has you know um, the popularity of it has, has, you know, coming, has risen and fallen over the years. You know, in the eighties, it was really big. Then it seems like the nineties and the early two thousands, it was still there, but maybe not quite as popular. Seems to be very prevalent today. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on corporate dentistry. I don't think it's going away. Um, but what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think what you just said that, you know, it began in the 80s and, you know, ebbs and flows um, and is, a, you know, probably a, a higher level of, I don't know, popularity is, is the right word, but, you know, utilization or a practice model. I think that is an indication that, you know, it is here to stay. Um, you know, what DSOs say to me um, is that the practice of dentistry is very profitable. You know, venture capitalists wouldn't be buying into and, and funding, um, you know, DSO purchases um, if it wasn't. It's a, you know, it's a different model than the profession is historically used to. Um, but it does fit with the the changes in healthcare, particularly that we've seen over the last 30 years, where consolidation um, as a strategy um is um you know something that has become uh, obviously very very prevalent so i think i think dentistry is is very very profitable um and you know perhaps more profitable at that 
um, at that level than it is at the the micro, you know, solo practice um, type of, of level. But, you know, we talked just briefly earlier about the, the challenges of running a small business. And, you know, you probably see this, you know, working with, with Dennis a lot, right? They went to school to be dentists. Um, you know, some of them do have a business background uh, or just have this innate ability to understand um, business, um, you know, really as a science. Um, and they do quite well at that. Um, but they're there's a lot of dentists uh, who who don't have that um, background. And what you know what DSOs allow the dentist to do is is practice dentistry and not have to, you know, in a lot of cases worry about um, you know all those other things that a you know private practice solo uh, practitioner um, you know, has to deal with and you know not be able to, uh, to do so. I always I always tell this story and I, I think it's I think it's very interesting and I and I don't I, I'm not telling it as a um, really as a negative uh, against uh, against dentists but um, just really as kind of a kind of put things in into perspective but and I don't remember where I heard this from or even what dental school uh, that was but it was it was a number of years ago and, and someone had gone to a, a dental school and and uh, was speaking to them sort of about the same topic of of, of business and. Ask ask the entire you know the 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 class um, how many people in that class had had a job before you know like in high school or college before they um, you know before they went to dental school and not a single hand was raised. Now I, I think the wow. the um, the challenges of you know getting into dental school and, and this was I think one of the top dental schools in the country, right? So that becomes your job, getting into dental school and getting through school and, you know, being able to maintain, you know, grades at the top of your class and all those kinds of things, because your future is dentistry. But to me, I I think it presents a challenge when you've never you've never been managed as an employee and suddenly, um, you know, you are the employer uh, who now has, has to manage. So I think all those things, you know, just contribute to those, those challenges as a, um, as a small business owner, when perhaps you're not, you know, you don't have the background to do that. So anyway, so, so sort of back to DSOs, what DSOs do obviously is, um, you know, provide a lot of those services, you know, that the dentist ultimately needs um, in order, to you know just to simply you know practice dentistry and you know if you you kind of look at it from that standpoint you know that that creates opportunities for you know and that's kind of where the the cda kind of comes into play um which is to help those dentists um be able to or provide those services to a dentist that DSO might typically provide, taking that stress off of them. Again, that, that whole work-life balance thing, um, you know, take that stress right. off of them, provide those services to them that, you know, ultimately can control overhead, um, you know, and make the practice more profitable. And so if, if we can help provide, you know, some of those kinds of services out to our members, I think there's an opportunity for them to be able to continue to practice in a you know in a, in a kind of you know that that private practice model you know for a long time. But but I do think you know just as we've seen you know with consolidation in medicine, you're going to see you know the same thing happen in, in in dentistry because you know when you're when you're just simply looking at risk. Right. If you can consolidate that risk across fewer uh, providers, you know, are are providers going to be thinking about, well, if there is another pandemic, do I want to take that risk on alone or do I want to even just partner? Uh, you know, with another practice and, you know, what is that, you know, the economies of scale to have, and you may know this, um, you know, the economies of scale of, of two dentists in the same practice versus, you know, versus one. And, right. and what is that level of increase, uh, you know, in that as you, as you add more and more dentists to that, um, you know, sharing in, you know, sharing in some of those expenses. 
defenses of those technologies. And, you know, ultimately, if, if you're going to be judged against the technology that you have in your practice, if you have more dentists who are buying into that technology as, as part of the ownership group, um, you know, you you perhaps are able to stay at the, the top of that game, um, you know, better than, than you can as a solo practitioner. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there's, you know, there's, as with anything, with any business venture, there's pros and cons to each, right? There's pros and cons to being a solo practitioner, if that's your comfort zone, and there are pros and cons to being in that corporate environment. And I think either environment, um, or both environments really make it so necessary for these dentists, when they come out of school, to absolutely learn the business side of dentistry. You know, like you, you mentioned a few minutes ago about the CDA providing a lot of resources and, and leadership and, and different types of things for dentists, which I think is just fabulous because they absolutely need it. Cause you know, you can be a great dentist, but not a great HR manager or not a great leader, but you have to, if you're going to stay in a solo practice or even if you're going to go in the corporate route, you still need to learn how to get along with those employees and manage those, those, assistants and hygienists and, you know, and just work within that ecosystem. So I think learning the business side of it, you know, is absolutely crucial for dentists going forward. So, and it's interesting to hear your thoughts on, on corporate dentistry, because I do think it is, um, I think it's a good option for, for some people, you know, I've seen both sides of it with my clients. I've, I've had a client where, you know, going, going the corporate buyout route went terribly wrong and wasn't a great thing, but you know, maybe he wasn't quite as prepared or, you know, didn't um, do his due diligence as much. I don't know, but but it didn't go well. And then I've had other clients who have transitioned into the corporate dental world and very successfully and been very happy with that. So I see both sides of that as well. So, but Greg, going back to the, the CDA and the resources that the CDA has, I really want to give you a ton of kudos because I work in multiple states, as you know, and I work with um, so dental associations in multiple states. And the Colorado Dental Association is absolutely stellar. So it, it is just stellar. Everybody there is on top, the top of their game. And I have to say that during the pandemic, the Colorado Dental Association was my go-to uh, for resources and staying on top of what was going on because, you know, the CDC, the ADA guidelines were changing daily, sometimes twice a day. You guys had to stay, you know, be a, be the communication, the lifeline out to the dental community for, you know, public health policy changes, um, state health policy changes. Um, Denver's unique in that there's what five or six counties in the greater Denver area, <laughs> all with differing protocols on COVID at the time. Um, and you guys were really the lifeline for all of us to stay on top of that communication. Um, and the CDA also has so many great resources, wellness programs. Really, I have to commend you guys for your wellness programs. They're awesome. Um, and then, you know, even, you know, looking at the recent fire, the Marshall Fire tragedy in Colorado. Talk to me a little bit about what I, I actually know because I, I sit on the Colorado Dental Association Foundation Board, so I should be pretty transparent about that. Um, but tell me a little bit, Greg, I've been so impressed with um, our ability to give back to the community. And for people who don't know, uh, in early January, in fact, I think it was actually, I think, wasn't it maybe yeah. New Year's Eve day or New Year's Eve? It was right before, right around New Year's. So for those of you who aren't, aren't aware, uh, at the very end of the year in 2021, in fact, I think it was New Year's Eve day or maybe the 30th, Colorado experienced um, an extremely uh, massive wildfire in Louisville and Superior, which is communities just to the north of Metro Denver. And that wildfire was so extensive that over 1,000 homes were completely destroyed and several businesses were destroyed and severely damaged. And the Colorado Dental Association Foundation um, just jumped in right away by giving back to the community by 
in, in the form of grants. So Greg, I'll let you talk a little more about how that came about and the grants that we've been able to give. I think so far we've given out four, four or five four grants, and I think we have one under consideration right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Linda. So, you know, I mean, I, I remember sitting, uh, actually was having dinner with my wife and um, at a restaurant, and I started seeing this this fire uh, you know, popping up and um, realizing that there was something um, – you know, this this was not just a small small wildfire, and so um, reached out to one of our board members uh, in in Boulder just to say, you know, tell me what's going on on the ground there. And he immediately responded back and said that you know we've we've been forced to evacuate. Um, you know, show me pictures of you know his neighborhood as, as he was leaving, and realized that you know there was a high likelihood that there were going to be some dentists or dental practices that have been impacted. You know, unfortunately, you know, what we've seen with, with every natural disaster, uh, you know, across the country that there is, you know, that there's typically, you know, the dentists who have been impacted, whether it's, you know, by tornadoes that, that hit, you know, Oklahoma or, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee, um, you know, whether it's, you know, hurricanes from, you know, Katrina, um, you know, or wildfires in, in California, the, these things, uh, you know, do do pop up. And one of the things that's, that's interesting about dentistry, and, you know, this these were, these were all done, you know, long, long before uh, my time. Um, but back in, you know, like the 1960s, um, dental associations created these relief funds. And the idea of these relief funds was that, um, you know, organized dentistry had some money to support, um, you know, people in the profession who uh, may have may themselves uh, have suffered, you know, some kind of devastation um, like this, or, you know, the spouse of the dentist after, you know, a death or something along those lines. And so, you know, this was really before insurance, um, you know, whether it, you know, was, you know, business, business notice insurance or life insurance uh, was as, you know, complex as, as it is today. So, you know, the, all these, you know, all these relief funds were put into place and over time realizing that, you know, one, they're not being implemented and utilized as much as, um, you know, as, as much as people thought. And, you know, there are other ways for, you know, dentists to be able to recover um, and things like this. And so probably, you know, six, seven years ago, we, we took our relief fund and we rolled it into the foundation and we took on that same charge that the relief fund had, had which is providing, you know, emergency type relief to uh, to dentists and the dental profession uh, at times of um, you know times of need like this, and so you know we we knew the dollars were there to be able to do that. Um, we you know we pulled um, you know a small group uh, together, you know on um, actually New Year's Eve day. So right, this did happen on. On the 30th, the morning of the 31st, um, you know, we pulled our team together and a couple of dentists and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's going to be um, our approach. You know, we need to we need to identify those dentists who have been impacted. Uh, our our uh, board member from, from Boulder was really good at providing, uh, Dr. Jonathan Boynton was really good about providing, uh, you know, those resources um, to us, hearing what's happening on the ground, uh, you know, and unfortunately, Unfortunately, you know, there were a handful of dentists who did lose their homes. Um, we don't believe or we haven't heard actually of a dentist who lost their practice in the fire, but we do know there were there were practices who suffered extensive fire damage and having dealt with that on a small scale um, in the past, um, you know, it takes a long, long time um, to be able to address that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's been, that's been our approach. And, and um, you know, we've, we've been uh, very fortunate to have gotten, um, you know, the ability to, to provide some support. We had, you know, a couple of organizations who reached out to us and said, Hey, uh, we want to help uh, be 
able to do that. The uh, Oklahoma uh, Dental Association Relief Fund provided some support. Uh, Delta Dental Foundation of Colorado uh, provided some support. Uh, DentaQuest uh, provided some support. And, there still may be some, you know, additional funds that, that do come in um, to support that. But, you know, we've been able to provide, you know, again, perhaps it's not as much as we would like, but we've been able to provide $5,000 grants to those practices and dentists um, who have been been impacted. But, and, I, and, I, and I'm very, very fortunate uh, or feel very fortunate that we're able to, uh, to do that and, and help the profession. One thing I do want to uh, go back to is something you had sort of preferenced in um, you know, kind of the opening of that question, and that really had to do with um, you know the, the CDA overall, um, our team, and our ability to um, you know really be leaders in the profession. And you know, I, I such a great. Such a great yeah, team. Well, and I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, I mean, I could, I could talk for the next half hour about how great the team is that, that I get to work with. And they really are an exceptional group of people. Um, we're small, but we're mighty. Um, and our ability to, uh, to help our members and, you know, do those things that um, we as an association do with, with the small group that we have is, is really outstanding. But, you know, taking that back, uh, to COVID, and one of the things I, I want to just you know quickly mention is that you know we had realized that you know even even pre-COVID that you know we needed to dramatically increase our technology uh, in our in, you know in our office to, to you know to be able to work uh, more effectively and, and efficiently, and so you know doing things like you know Zoom, um, you know video um, board meetings and things like that were things that we were already um, doing, and so I remember you know going back almost uh, two years now, um, we actually had a virtual board meeting in March, uh, in which our board gave you know basically gave the executive uh, committee the the authority to act on behalf of the association. Um, we did it on Thursday night and realized on Friday that COVID was really taking taking a turn, right? I mean, that was, I think that was the same night that the NBA canceled its season, NHL. I mean, all those things happened and we realized yeah. that, you know, <laughs> this is not, this is not something that's just gonna, you know, go away in, in a week or so. And so that Sunday afternoon, we actually pulled together our first uh, statewide response team uh, meeting. And, you know, we met for like an hour on that Sunday afternoon. We met on Monday. And I think we met every single day, you know, that week through Friday, uh, really planning our response, uh, understanding, you know, what was happening, you know, in, in terms of public health orders, um, you know, and, and, and what our responsibility was, not just to the profession, but to, you know, the, the COVID uh, response and needs overall. But I thought was very interesting um you know so you know, part of a executive director listserv and you know how many uh how many other states were at that point you know just asking the question of you know how do we does anybody know how to do a zoom call right we don't we don't we don't know how to do it we've never we've never <laughs> right. done one before or you know we don't have the right. ability to to work remotely and you know I, I guess we were just really lucky um that that you know uh, our board and, you know, and staff, you know, recognized that we needed to, you know, invest in those kinds of things uh, up front. And I think that was very, very critical to our ability to do those things that we did during COVID to, to take the lead, um, you know, and, and be able to, you know, really come together and provide, you know, resources and information to to the administration uh, to be able, you know, for them to make, you know, the best decisions. And, you know, you look at the, the timeline in those states that did, uh, you know, shut down to emergency services only. I think we were the second state um, to reopen. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, and at one point in time, I, you know, I figured out how many how many hours and time that you know our response team spent um you know and it was it was thousands of hours 
you know, in it, in, it was know, a, a four lot or five of week period a of lot of hours. And, um, but I tell you, it was it was wonderful that that first day. I got through an entire day, and and uh, nothing like COVID never even entered my mind that entire day. So you know, it's definitely it has ebbed and flowed, uh, you know, throughout the the last uh, couple of years. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think just just having that um, technology allowed us to to respond much much quicker. Yeah, no, definitely kudos to you guys for that. And it's definitely a great testament to what we were talking about before staying on top of the technology curve and being able to do those things. Because I remember, you know, in addition to being able to go to the CDA website and find the latest uh, on the public health guidelines, I remember just all the webinars, you you guys had webinars, gosh, sometimes night, there were a few weeks where they were nightly because things were changing so much. Yeah, they were. Yeah, we just, I mean, um, our goal was just to keep, keep, you know, the latest information, the best practices in front of our, in front of our membership. My, my clients would call me and say, okay, what's the latest on this or this protocol or, or, you know, this mandate, I would say, you know what, tune into the CDA because that's where I'm getting my information because that's where I got it. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure I drove Molly crazy during that time. But, you know, I listened to the webinars, I recorded them, I, I sent them out to, cl to clients. And, um, you know, if, if you're if you're listening to our podcast, and you're not a member of your de local dental association, your state dental association, please check them out and become a member. Um, Colorado Dental Association, like I say, is absolutely stellar and to be very very transparent you know i'm i'm a colorado girl and i'm i'm on the board of their foundation so i just want to be transparent but the the cda is wonderful and all state dental associations have the same goal they're all trying to serve the members you know they're all trying to advance the field of dentistry and serve the dental members as best they can so that is their goal so wherever you live whatever state you live in check out your dental association and become a member and support them because they want to support you so that's my message on on dental associations as a whole but greg thank you so much is there anything else you would like to talk about this morning i mean because you you're such a wealth of information and do such a great job and have just you know, you really have a great heart for dentistry. And, you know, I've worked with you for several years. And the one thing I know about you is that you really do care about the dental profession. You care about everybody in it from the dentist to the hygienist, the assistants, the support staff, your board members, you care about your team, you care about dentistry. So if there's anything else you want to touch on this morning in that vein, I'd love to hear it. Well, Linda, I, I do want to say to you, um, you know, you are a, an outstanding board member on our, on our foundation and, and definitely appreciate the, the information and, and, and knowledge that, that, that you bring. Um, you know, it's, it's always refreshing, you know, the, the ideas that, um, you know, you and, and Robin Wanschneider and, and, uh, you know, Julie Collette, uh, you know, bring, uh, to us as as non-dentists um and i you know i kind of joke that if i you know put you guys in a, in a closet for like an hour and said you know come back with just something uh you know fun and innovative uh you would just absolutely you know come out of that with with the greatest ideas to uh um you know to grow the foundation and, and support the profession and, and all those things that we do so um i, I greatly appreciate that i will i will say um you know i had a tremendous opportunity uh you know i've been been here in colorado as um the executive director uh be eight years in june and you know i i, I every single day uh, you know coming to work um whether it's driving into the office or, or walking into my office here at home um you know i i absolutely love my work uh, i i love what we do um i you know our, our staff as i said is is incredible Incredible, um, and all the things that that they do, the the dentists that I have an opportunity to work with, uh, and the leadership are, are outstanding. Um, but I've been here eight years. I've been. Um, 
I had worked with the Kansas Dental Association uh, for 15 years uh, prior to that, um, and then spent two years uh, working for a lobbying firm when I was in law school, uh, who represented the the Kansas Dental Association as as a client. And so I think that is about 25 years um, in which I wow. have uh, worked with <laughs> dentistry. Awesome. Um, I just turned 50 in October, um, so that's half my life. And you don't spend half your <laughs> life working uh, with a group of people um, and, and not love what they do, uh, appreciate and respect uh, what they do, and, and really uh, feel like you have a part to play in, um, you know, helping them, you know, be, be as successful um, as they can. And I, I really do, I, I really do mean that, that, you know, um, you, you, I'm invested, um, you know, in, in, in that. And, and you are, uh, you know, and, you and are. God willing, um, you know, many, many more years of, of uh, enjoying this uh, incredible uh, profession and, um, you know, being, being a small part of, of, of that here in Colorado. So, um, you know, absolutely, absolutely love that. So, you know, I, I think we have probably, you know, down the road, um, you know, some, some, some new things that, that we are uh, rolling out here in the next couple of months um, that I would love to, to sit down and, and uh, you know, talk more about. And again, it's, you know, things more on, on the business side, um, things like uh, unveiling, uh, you know, our, our group purchasing organization that uh, we've just, uh, we've just launched some new technology that we're going to have um, in the office really with, to, to help serve our uh, ultimate goal of providing each member uh, a personalized uh, member experience, um, you know, with, with the CDA, and so a lot of I think really, really innovative um, things that that we've got rolling out as we try to stay at the top of our game as an association serving our members. Wow, that's great to hear, Greg. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to um, keep be in contact with you and we'll do another episode on, on some of these great things that are coming up. That's yeah. awesome. I did yeah, not know about that. I'm, so I'm, to tell you about it. I'm <laughs> little sneak peek there, sneak listen, uh, what's coming up. So no, we'll, we'll definitely uh, invite you back, Greg, and would love to talk more about these things. Um, because, you know, like I said, you're, you're amazing. Your team is amazing. The Colorado Dental Association is just always finding new ways to connect with members. And I think it's just so important as far as advancing dentistry overall. So Greg, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We will definitely have you back and talk more about these, these new things. And uh, we really appreciate your time today on President's Day. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, Linda. Are you committed to the growth of your practice? Mettler Marketing can help. At Mettler Marketing, we help dental practices gain new patients, increase referrals, and maximize patient retention with customized marketing solutions tailored to fit your needs. Visit www.mettlermarketing.com to schedule a free consultation and learn how we can help grow your practice. Thank you for tuning in to the Mettler Marketing Podcast. Please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you would like to be a guest on our show, visit MettlerMarketing.com and drop us a note. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and help our show reach more listeners.